Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of Talk About Sustainability. Uh, I'm here with uh, with Jeremy. How how you doing? Happy Father's Day. Hey, thanks, Millen. Happy Father's Day to you too. Thanks, man. Uh, how's it? How's your weekend been going so far? Uh, it's been going great. Been hanging out with the family. It's hot outside, so we've been playing outside in the sprinkler and the slip and slide, having a good time. That's great. And we really wish everybody out there happy Father's Day, happy parents weekend, uh, especially with all the, the quarantines that are going on. It's uh, definitely tough for, for parents out there and everyone else, but in particular, uh, people who have to watch little kids cry and yell all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna... <laughs> it's definitely a, a challenge for, for everybody. And, you know, I think we also want to acknowledge everything that's kind of going on in the world with the protesters and uh, you know we, we stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and you know there's a lot of injustices in the world and I think that this kind of coming to light in this uh, movement that's occurring you know maybe we can remedy some of those and make some real and lasting change to, to make the world a, a little bit more just a little bit more fair for everyone. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, this is one of those unique opportunities where we can rethink how we are and, and, and interact with each other and how we treat ourselves and, and how we want our world to look in the future. And, and this is one of those key moments in time where I think this is the, the, the right point to, to be doing those type of things and thinking about that. So totally, totally agree with you. And, and again, we, we definitely stand with the protesters and what they're what they're trying to teach the rest of us. I think that's important. Um, you know, personally, it's, it's sort of, you know, added to the stress level, as I'm sure with everyone else, um, given all the other things that are going on. And really, you know, what I just learned uh, when talking to our guests for this week is how what we eat and the type of foods that we eat can really affect uh, our stress level. And, you know, I think she, Kelly McGrain it was our guest this week, and she uh, is a dietitian out in Colorado, and she's really has a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. And you know, it was a really fun interview to do for me uh, because I I learned a lot about you know just nutrition in general and and how that can help ride through some of the times that we're going through now. Totally, and she had a, she had a lot of like real world examples that you can easily do to kind of change what you're you're eating change your habit a little so a little bit more healthy and maybe some of those things will kind of help with the stress of everything that's going on right now exactly what you're talking about and i really like some of the examples she had and uh looking forward to everyone checking out the interview yeah so with that why don't we just get right to it uh so again uh i talked to kelly uh, a few days ago and here it is Uh, hey, everyone. Really excited to have our next guest on the podcast, Kelly McGrain. She's a registered dietitian from the Denver area. She's also the founder of Kelly McGrain Nutrition, LLC, and she provides evidence-based articles and develops healthy recipes that we can all be looking at and, and really benefit from um, and looking to try to clear up and demystify how we can all be healthy and eat better. Uh, so welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the first thing I would love to know is, is just how you started and, and decided to become a dietitian. What, was, what made that interesting for you? 
Yeah. So, I mean, ever since I can remember, I've always loved food. I mean, the grocery store was my favorite store as a little kid, which normally it should be a toy store. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just growing up, everyone in my family was just always so into cooking and food. It was such a huge piece of things, but I never had thought about what we eat being anything more than just flavor. Mm -hmm. About high school. And so I got into varsity field hockey and I had a coach who you know, after our first practice, that sounds like, well, make sure that you're eating the following foods after working out, because that's going to help with recovery. And it was just this, like, what, what does that mean? Like, right. Foods affect that. That's crazy. And so it kind of got me down this rabbit hole of, you know, what is it that we're eating and how can we affect our energy levels? And at that time, my athletic performance based on what I'm eating. And so it just started getting me really interested. Um, and then at the same time, I always really wanted to write. But when I was kind of starting to look at colleges, um, journalism was one of those fields where people are like, huh, you could go into it, but you might be better off becoming an expert in a field and then just writing about it. And mm-hmm. so it's funny because that was the best advice I was ever given because now that's exactly what I do. So it kind of, nutrition was something that could combine my passion of food, my love of science, and then also being able to write and communicate these things to other people. And so it was just kind of this perfect blend. And I guess, how have you found what we eat being, or why is what we eat so important? Is it merely just, you know, we're, we, like you said, when you were uh, doing athletics, you were told you should be eating this, you should be eating that so you can recover better. But I mean, is that, is that true? Is there just like one thing we should be eating to be healthy or, or any number of things we should be doing? Yeah. So nutrition, I love it because what we eat affects every aspect of our lives. I mean, Mm -hmm. it goes down to energy levels and stress, as we'll talk about, Um, but also, I mean, chronic disease risk, which I think we hear a lot about in the news. Um, Weight, obviously, is a big one people talk about. But then even on a macro scale, you know, what we choose to buy and choose to eat also affects our environment and affects Mm -hmm. our communities. And so it's really a cool thing that kind of goes from this microcellular level all the way up to our environment. Um, And so when you talk about nutrition, I mean, you'll definitely see studies and people who get really bogged down in certain nutrients. And yes, we need these certain nutrients, but it's really your overall diet pattern that is the most important thing at the end of the day. And is the food pyramid still a thing? I remember growing up like that was in schools. That was, there was like a poster in the cafeteria and like we were all saying how we should be eating more grains and bread. I mean, is that still a viable solution or has the science clearly changed a lot of that? You know, I, it's not a bad way. It, the food pyramid did get replaced with my plate. And so the okay. idea behind that, so my plate basically shows you what each meal should look like. So it, sometimes it's hard for people to kind of take a step back and think, okay, well, I should be eating, you know, so many servings of grains a day and a week. People like to think, well, what should I eat now? Which I mm-hmm. And so my plate kind of made it easier, but I do know like the Mediterranean diet still very much uses a pyramid. And there is a lot of research to show that at the end of the day, it's not just what you eat at one meal, but it's really what you are eating overall that's impacting your health. And, you know, for a lot of people like myself in particular, I find that, you know, through the, uh, particularly what we're going through now with two, two kids at home who are constantly screaming and yelling and among other things that are, that are really cute that they do. Um, it's hard to, to sort of plan out good meals and, and, and be healthy in that sense. And so I've gravitated more toward what I used to do in college, like the ramen type, uh, <laughs> type meal and the quick fix. And uh, definitely don't feel like that's the best and most nutritious thing I could be eating. 
but it's quick and it's easy. Um, curious, are there things that are equally as quick and easy for someone like me to do, but are also nutritious? Yeah, so I would say with that, there's a couple ways you can go. So I like to approach nutrition as look at to make it healthier. So at the end of the day, if ramen is the fast thing or pasta, right? Buying yep. pasta is super quick, throw it in. Um, one, you can buy whole wheat pasta. You can buy chickpea pasta, which is awesome. It tastes really good, but also has a lot more protein and fiber. To I just, it. I actually um, just tried that the other day. Chickpea pasta. I, I thought it was great. I, I couldn't really tell much of a difference, um, but I'm not really a pasta connoisseur, so maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm the target audience. Uh, but I thought it was delicious. I thought it was great. Yeah, I actually like it better than whole wheat pasta. I think it's an easier change. Um, yeah. But that's something that you throw in. So already it's a little healthier, but it's still something quick. And then, okay, now what else do I need? Okay, vegetables. Again, yep. if there's something that you have, you know, at the store that's just in your fridge, don't overthink it. It's just kind of whatever's easy. Frozen veggies, I always keep a bag in my freezer because worst case, I just throw in the microwave, put on the pasta, and you're ready. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think not overthinking, okay, this has to be this perfect healthy meal, but okay, is there a way to add in more vegetables or is there a substitute that's going to get me more fiber? Can I make this whole grain? Um, and also thinking, you know, as far as protein goes, do I have a can of beans I can throw on top of whatever I'm making too, or um, canned tuna is a really good one. So not overthinking what you're eating and just, mm -hmm. okay, like, am I getting some type of protein, some type of vegetable, and then some fiber? you're good to go. It sounds like, you know, for a lot of people thinking about all those different permutations could be somewhat stressful and, you know, really uh, make someone anxious and, and curious how in dealing with some of your clients, you coach them on how to, to approach those type of, you know, preparation and meal planning solutions. Yeah. So I think if you're new to meal planning, a really good thing to do is to think of recipes you've already made before. Mm -hmm. right? So you already feel very comfortable with it. And then maybe looking at the recipe and that's where you can think, and maybe not overhauling the whole thing. Is there one aspect of this recipe you can make a little healthier and then keep a list of these recipes that you have. That way you're not constantly like, I mean, personally, I can spend hours looking at recipes and that can get yeah. very overwhelming for people. So just keep a database, just whether it's on your computer and a bookmark list and people use Pinterest. Um, you also just have your on your phone, some just meals that you know you like, um, and to make it even easier if you're organized enough, start writing down just the ingredients in those that you would need to go to the store. Cause then you just mm -hmm. automatically, okay, like if I'm at the store, I know to pick up these foods cause then I can make something with it. Um, so not to get too out of the box until you're comfortable. I think another good way is to buy a cookbook. I know mm. people love blogs and they love, um, just going online, but that can also be before, you know, you spent hours online. Whereas if you have a cookbook, it's kind of nice. It's only a certain amount of recipes to choose from. Mm -hmm. um, and it probably will get you a little out of your comfort zone too. If you're, if you're getting a little bored of what you're making all the time. Variety is pretty good. I would say, <laughs> do you, do you guys, um, do you yourself have like a, a little garden at home where you, you grow fresh vegetables or fresh herbs or anything for some of the stuff you cook? No, I wish we did. And we keep talking about, I really want to do some herbs because we don't have any outdoor space, but um, we have these giant windows, which I think would be so perfect and plenty of ledge space to do some yeah. herbs. Those are the one things where I feel like at the store, if I'm trying to save money, I'm like, oh, is it worth spending money on these, <laughs> these herbs? But I know it makes the flavor so good and there are nutritional benefits to them. Um, so that's something I want to try. I know basil is supposed to be pretty easy to grow inside. I will, I will, I will, uh, I will definitely say that that is probably one of the easier things to grow. Like I, I started growing it uh, pretty simple, just put it in sunlight, 
water it uh, ever so often. And, you know, it definitely, there is something psychological about growing your own basil and eating it that makes you think, wow, this tastes so much better than anything I could have gotten at a store. Oh yeah. No, I can imagine. What, uh, and I guess, you know, we've, we've seen a lot about how food can impact your overall mental well-being and talked a little about stress before, but just from a mental perspective, how, how has, in your research, how has food impacted uh, one's ability to, to be, you know, more mentally healthy? Yeah, so nutrition plays a big role when it comes to mental health. And so it's kind of interesting because we always think of brain health. We think mm-hmm. of mental health, but we should also be thinking of the gut. Mm. So what's really fascinating in the past, I don't know how many years, but for probably about 10 years or so, there's been a lot of research going into this connection that we're noticing between our gut health and our brains. Mm. And one of the things they've actually found, so serotonin is a neurotransmitter, it's a chemical that is responsible for making us feel happy. It helps us feel relaxed. It's a very kind of de-stressing chemical in our bodies. And they found that 90% of our, of our serotonin receptors are actually in our gut, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's a lot of them. (laughs) Um, And so what they're finding is if we have a healthy gut, we're more likely to feel happier. Um, You're less likely to have depression, uh, severe anxiety. It also helps with stress levels. Um, And so when you think of, okay, like, that's great. How do I get a healthy gut? So our guts are made up of bacteria, which can sound kind of creepy at times, but it's really cool because you have all these little microorganisms in you that are helping your body do the things that it needs to do. And so what you want is you want a very varied uh, Mm -hmm. microbiome and you want healthy bacteria. You don't want the bad ones. And so one of the most important things you can do is eat a very varied diet of plant-based foods. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, pulses, um, like lentils and beans, um, they all have these things called prebiotic fibers, which helps to feed these good bacteria and help it all flourish and, and be nice and happy and healthy. Um, where on the flip side, studies have found that if you eat a lot of processed foods, a lot of refined foods, um, you tend to not have as much diversity in your gut and you tend to have a little more of the bad bacteria. And over time, that can cause things like feeling more stressed and just kind of just that, that constant level of just not feeling great. Yeah. Right. It doesn't even have to be to this point where it, you know, you are on medication. It can just be that just that hanging level of not feeling great. Yeah. The, the general malaise that we all tend to feel on a Monday in particular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I guess what, uh, what do you, what kind of foods do you eat to, with that in mind, like to, to help promote your, the diversity of your gut bacteria? Yeah, so I do a lot of oats. Actually, I do a lot of overnight oats. So you um, soak oats in yogurt. So yogurt has a lot of live active cultures. By soaking the oats overnight too, you're going to break down some chemicals in the oats that makes it easier to digest them and absorb the nutrients. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to have some berries in the morning as well or in a smoothie at some point during the day. Mm -hmm. And just a variety of vegetables. And I think if my big thing is kind of eating seasonally. So one, you don't get tired of what you're eating. Um, foods that are in season tend to just be fresher and taste better. Um, but again, it's that variety. So just trying to, trying to add in some of those things whenever I can. Um, and then I aim to eat beans at least three or four times a week, if not more, because um, those have a lot of that really good prebiotic fiber. And when, when you um, kind of work with some of your clients and get to know their, their needs better, do you, uh, 
kind of coach them on these type of things? Like, you know, what, what specifically is important for them or is it more of a generalized approach where what you're kind of how you're talking about now, like these are the type of things that would be good for you to eat or do you really dig deep into that individual and what, what would make the most sense for them? Yeah, you really have to dig deep because we're all starting at such different points. We all have such different lifestyles. Um, and also people's bodies react differently to different types of foods and they feel better. Um, but in general, I mean, the goal is always to get someone eating as much whole foods as they can as far as budget and time goes. Um, and just trying to cut back on some of those refined things and just figure out that nice balance that works with their lifestyle while still getting to those health goals. Nice. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense, but I got to ask you, uh, I enjoy my ice cream maybe more than I probably should. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are other comfort foods that particularly now I've, I've revisited the mac and cheeses of the world have, have been good to me over the past few weeks, but you know, what are some of the things that may be, uh, maybe a good substitute for that, that, you know, that could still satisfy that comfort food type craving, but may not be so bad for me or, or may not de-stress me like you were pointing out with the, the gut bacteria being less diverse based on what I'm eating. Yeah. So thinking about comfort foods, this is a great thing about the internet. There are a lot of ways to kind of get, because when we think of comfort foods, it's usually textures. It's usually kind of that like mouthfeel you get when you eat it. Right. Um, and the great thing is there are ways to get that. It's just a little healthier. It's like mac and cheese, um, butternut squash is a really good one. Um, if you cook it down and then blend it, um, you can add that into it and kind of cut down on some of the cream and some of the cheese. Mm -hmm. still it nice, gooey, warm, but you're again, introducing some more of these important fibers and um, vitamin A in that case. Um, so trying to look at foods like, okay, well, what can I do that's a little healthier? When it comes to ice cream, I'm on two minds of it. So one, if you are just craving that ice cream cone and that is all you want, <laughs> get the real stuff, but just watch portion, right? Okay. That is the most important thing. And try to go for something that's not overly processed. Like go to your, like go get some good quality ice cream. Um, but if you're just kind of sitting at home, you want something cold, uh, frozen bananas are really great. So oh, I've never tried that. Yeah. So if you can think to do it when your bananas start to go bad, slice them up first and put them in a Ziploc bag. It'll make them a lot easier to blend. And then you can just blend it by themselves. You can put a little bit of like almond butter in it if you want. Kind of makes a soft serve consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, or I'll even throw them into a smoothie with some oat or almond milk, some spinach, um, strawberries, whatever fruit I have on hand. And it makes it really nice and creamy. Um, same with avocado, actually. If you do avocado and a frozen banana in a smoothie, it, it tastes like a milkshake. Wow, that sounds delicious. I think this is actually a really good segue to talk about your website, The Healthy Toast, where you go through a lot of these type of recipes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So the goal of The Healthy Toast is basically realistic, healthy eating. So it's no, I don't believe in diet rules. I'm not, you're not going to find anything preachy on there, any weird ingredients that you're not used to. Instead, it's trying to think of recipes that we all really like and you know, sometimes crave, but how can we have them in a more nutritious way? So mm -hmm. And that's a big thing. I mean, it's not just about calories either. You know, it's not a weight loss blog. It's really how can I get as much nutrition in, um, but still food that tastes really good. Yeah. And, and if you guys uh, have a chance, please go see thehealthytoast.com. It's a really cool website. Uh, a lot of good information there. Um, it's actually one of the, one of the, I just signed up for the newsletter. So I'm excited about the next, the next one that comes out. Uh, so is there any, uh, 
nutritional difference between what I may grow at home, some of the herbs and vegetables, and maybe what I could, would buy in the grocery store? Is there a significant difference or is it really not that big of a deal? Um, so it's an interesting question. So when you buy produce at the store, so whenever, let's say you buy peaches at the grocery store, so that farm that's going to sell the peaches, they're going to pull the peaches down. They're going to harvest them yep. before they're fully ripened, right? Because they don't want them to go bad between transport, sitting at the grocery store, by the time it gets to your house. And so that means that that pea shouldn't have all of its time to really get those nutrients to develop fully. Um, mm. So research has shown that, you know, between picking it, transporting it, bringing it home, there's definitely going to be a loss in nutrients. So if you're just growing something in your garden or you have a peach tree or a strawberry bush and you, and you pick those fruits right when they're nice and ripe, you are gonna get more nutrients that way and you're not gonna have the loss that kind of occurs over time. Now, a good way to kind of stop that, so say you have a garden and you're like, well, I'm not gonna get through all of this. Freezing is a great way to lock in a lot of those nutrients. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you wanna do that pretty quickly after picking it. It's interesting. You don't really think about even for some of the organic produce that you would buy in the store uh, about the the actual logistics of it getting from the farm to the store and what sort of losses, nutrient losses, and and freshness uh, losses could happen in that in that uh, in that time frame. So it's yeah, I guess that is a really good concept to start growing stuff at home just for that very reason. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Growing stuff at home or if you can't go into a farmer's market and trying to buy something fresh from that farmer who didn't have to travel quite as far. Yeah. And do you see like fresh food in general, whether it's grown at home or from the store, does that help you with, you know, and obviously in the current climate, uh, immunity is important, being able to have a, an active immune system. Does that help at all? Uh, or is it more just again, eating healthy things is, is more uh, important for that sense. Um, so overall, as long as you can eat, you know, a lot of fruits and vegetables, that's great. But growing your own, I mean, they have shown it helps with just de-stressing in general, tending a garden. Mm -hmm. uh, also shown that in adults, but especially in kids, actually having a garden increases your intake of fruits and vegetables. So again, mm. if adults eat more of these foods, having your own, you know, really investing your time and energy shows that you do tend to eat more of them. So there's absolutely a benefit that way. Kelly, what are some of the places other than the healthy toast people might be able to find uh, your research and, and your, your online presence? Yeah, absolutely. So I write for Lose It. It's a food tracking app. So if you go to loseit.com on their blog, um, I'm one of their main nutrition writers. I also do some editing on there. Um, I'm a writer for Healthline as well, so feel free to go over to the nutrition, um, and it's a great one because that one's going to be definitely heavily into the nutrition research, so if you like the nitty-gritty details, that's a good place to go, um, and then I also help out with some media outlets, so CNN, Shape Magazine, Women's Health, all those, I, time to time, my name will pop up, and I'll kind of help address, especially any trending topics going on or, or diets at the moment. What, what would you say is the most popular diet of the moment right now? Keto seems to really be sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> I still get a lot of questions. I thought that was going to be more of a trend than it ended up being. But I think keto, Whole30 goes in cycles. I think around winter time, you start hearing more of that one. Um, and intermittent fasting continues to be really trendy. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. We really uh, appreciate your wealth of knowledge and 
you know, again, everyone, please do check out Kelly's website, thehealthytoast.com, and also all the other crazy stuff she's doing online. It's really awesome. Uh, really great to have you. Thanks, Kel. Great. Thanks for having me on. And we're back. So that was Kelly. And I think, you know, one of the, again, I really enjoyed talking to her. It was a, a really fun conversation for me. I think one of the biggest things I got away from it is start simple. You know, there are simple things we can do that are easy and uh, build up over time to make a, a very big change in one's life. But we don't really need to think that far ahead. Let's start with some simple things that we can do right now uh, to make those type of positive changes in our life. What, one of those simple changes that I think uh, you mentioned that you really liked was the frozen banana idea. Yeah. Satisfy that, that craving for ice cream. Have you, have you tried it out yet, Millen? Uh, I haven't yet. We're, uh, we're, you know, we, we need to get some new bananas, uh, which is sort of, we're on a schedule during our weeks so when we get groceries. So uh, that is on the list for sure. Uh, we're going to be enjoying some of that during these hot summer days that we have in the Boston area right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm psyched to try it out. It sounds like a really simple way of getting that ice cream fix. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many examples of these little things that you can do. I mean, I think even going back to our uh, earlier interview with Juan Garaldo at, at Waku and uh, his beverage company, Waku, that makes this really tasty, healthy drink that I drink all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm basically doing two a day now because I have so many. I'm just, you know, I just yeah. keep drinking them because I know it's got so many healthy things in it that are going to kind of help me feel a little bit better and perform better and just be a better person. Right? Do you, so. so one of the things Kelly talked about was, you know, gut health is really important overall, as Juan mentioned too, but also in particular for just uh, even your mental health. Do you feel different since you started paying attention to maybe your gut health and using Waku and things like that? Yeah, I think definitely just even on a day-to-day -day basis, those days that you kind of take care of yourself a little bit better overall, whether, you know, with exercise and meditation mm -hmm. and just eating the right foods, you feel, for me at least, I feel a little sharper, my mind's a little clearer, and so, and, and from that, I can just perform better and kind of be happier, and so that's really worked well for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I I think that's one of those things, again, where if you make a conscious effort to, you know, try to incorporate more beneficial foods that can help your gut and, and overall well-being, I think that that speaks volumes to how, you know, you're taking care of yourself and maybe even even the rest of your family, too, which uh, particularly now more than ever, we, we need to we need to really be doing a, a good job of that. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, one of the interesting things that Kelly said, what, what was the percentage of the, what was it, serotonin receptors that live in your gut? It was something really surprising to me. Oh, yeah. I think, I, I think, I, I, I don't actually remember. Um, maybe, maybe I can, we can rewind uh, <laughs> our podcast right now and check. And they found that 90% of our, of our serotonin receptors are actually in our gut. And it makes sense, right? There, there's a lot of a lot of things going on in the in that microbiome of the gut, and I think there's a lot of research in that area, uh, not just in the nutrition space, but in the physiology space, and, and just in general. And 
Um, it's something that, you know, I think that's where being aware of what you eat and where it comes from too is really important. You know, she brought up the point about, you know, understanding that the food you buy in the supermarket comes potentially from a far away, uh, from a long distance. And that has an effect on impacting the nutrient levels that are in that food and whether you actually will be able to ingest those nutrients. So it, it goes to, you know, our running theme of how do we try to localize things even more? And even in your own house, how do you start to grow vegetables and foods that are more nutritious and better for you right in your own, in your own backyard? And, you know, I think she was, she talked about that too, as being a, a great way to a, approach nutrition. Yeah, I just did that. Uh, I've been growing some stuff here in my basement and I made myself a sandwich yesterday. First time taking some of my homegrown lettuce. Uh, it, was, nice. it was really good. It, was, it felt good eating it and it, it tasted good. I couldn't get the girls to try it. <laughs> they weren't interested, but I guess that leaves more for me. Have you done that? that I guess it's not really a trick, but when you buy a head of lettuce from the grocery store and you're done with it, just kind of cutting off the the stem like a few an inch or two and then putting it in a cup of water and letting it grow and it, it's amazing it's like it grows from nothing but it's it's all it's still there it can grow it's still a viable source of food yeah i i personally haven't tried that method yet i grew my lettuce from seed but that's a that's a great you know there's lots of things that you get at the store that you can then regrow and and have even fresher and for free yeah right so i think that's a great thing that people can do at home and one of the one of the things we heard from matt too is just gardening in general and and the act of doing it is a great way to relieve stress as well because you're focused on a task you can literally see the fruits of your labor and kelly echoed that same sentiment as well yeah and it's even more important now when we're you know, in quarantine during this pandemic to do everything we can to take care of ourselves. So gardening is one of those great activities where you're providing your body with great nutrients, fresh, and you know, what you were talking about, that's the nutrient density in that is still there. But then the activity of gardening itself being a stress reliever for a lot of people or an activity they can do with their family outside. It's, it's, I love that it's taken off and you see it in the news almost every day. Another story about how gardening is exploding right now and in mm -hmm. yeah. buy seeds and stuff like that. I think it's really cool that people are, are starting to do this. And I think it's going to last beyond the pandemic. I think even if as life gets kind of back to normal, whatever that, whatever that is, you know, people I think hopefully will stay connected to their garden and, and want to continue to do these types of things. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, sort of speculating in our yard where we would want to put a garden bed either raised or in ground and we're just sort of you know it's 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 on our list of things to do and uh we'll hopefully we'll get to it soon having matt then juan and now kelly sort of you know the the theme we were trying to to showcase in these first three episodes is obviously food is a big component of that but also how we can actually grow our own food at home and, and why that from a maybe not just economic standpoint but from a uh, life and sustainability standpoint a health standpoint is actually really 
good to do. And, and also, more importantly, that it's not as difficult as you might think, that there are simple ways of starting to grow your own food. And once you have the basics down, you can expand beyond that and start, you know, putting that, you know, 10 by 10 square foot garden out there that you've always wanted, uh, if you have the room for it. Yeah, I think that's, there, there's so many good pieces of advice from these first three interviews that we had, you know, whether it's starting small, like with what you're talking about, what Matt had suggested, you know, I made that mistake a little bit by throwing a ton of basil seeds down at first. And then I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. There's too many. <laughs> Start, starting slow is a, is a great way. And then, yeah, all the little things you can do that, that really add up. And you can just start with one little thing, whether it's, you know, replacing something that you eat with a different ingredient, like Kelly was talking about, or, you know, starting out planting those seeds and getting that garden going. I think that a lot of these things can lead to positive changes, not just for you and your family, but for our society as a whole, you know, that's, that's the goal, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the key too. You just got to get started and it may not work out the first time or the second time, but I think like, with everything else, you learn how to do things better just by doing. And uh, that, that, I think that's true of gardening, if not everything. I have, I have, a, I have a, uh, a great quote that ties into that above my desk here. A year, yeah. a year from now, you will wish you had started today, uh, which was Karen Lamb. I don't know who that is, but I think that's really, you know, people can sometimes procrastinate a little too much on on the on the even small changes you know you just got to start so that concludes our at least our first three episodes and you know the next episode and the next set of them we probably will have a slightly different theme um, but again all tying back to sustainability and how we can be self-sufficient at home and beyond and and i think uh, we're working on uh getting uh some more guests and, and I think we have one lined up for the month of July. So uh, we, we uh, will have more information about that uh, when we post this, but uh, definitely really excited about, you know, continuing forward with what we're doing both at TakaCore, but also in this podcast as well. This is our way of getting across to, to you guys, what we're working on and, and what's important to, to us going forward. And we love to hear the same from you and get some feedback on what you like and, and maybe what you want to hear more about. Yeah, this, I, I couldn't agree more, Milan. This has been a lot of fun, these first three episodes, figuring this out. Uh, and yeah, your feedback, anybody out there that can provide or give us some feedback, feedback's a gift. We'd love to hear what you thought of, you know, any of the episodes and, and what, what your reactions were and that type of thing would be really helpful. So look forward to connecting with you in the near future. Yeah. We're back. We left. We already did the, the farewell part of the podcast, but for whatever reason, bonus, we're back. Bonus material. Bonus material. Father's Day 2020. And, and drinking beer at 2 p.m. I, I just I have to go mow the lawn, actually, so I, I didn't want to start drinking before I did that. You got to go do that yard work. Hey, you have like, one of those egos? Is that what it is? Yeah, ego mower. I like it. Yeah. I, I was trying to, there was a big discussion in my neighborhood chat room uh, on WhatsApp 
and it was, you know, going from gas powered lawnmower to electric. And, you know, the, the, a lot of the feedback was, oh, really worried about electric not having enough power or lasting enough time. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 forget all that. Here's, here's, here's the important part. When you're done mowing the lawn with an electric mower, you don't smell like a gas station. Like yeah. that to me is immensely helpful, particularly with, with kids. I don't want to hug my kids after I smell like gasoline. Um, and then like the whole thing of like, oh, I don't have enough charge to do it. Just get two batteries. And then when the first one runs out, you go get the second one and then charge the first one. Like, I don't think it's that, it's not that crazy to, to do that. No. Yeah. I don't, I don't mow my own lawn anymore, but I do remember <laughs> hating that. That's that feeling afterwards of just being like covered in that exhaust and that yeah. thing. It's, yeah. It, it, a lot, uh, yeah, going to the electric route is for, you know, way better than, operating those gas guzzlers yeah yeah so i i like it i mean they're they tend to be on the pricey side but i guess a gas lawnmower isn't cheap either like no. you can spend a good amount of money on it so yeah i, I think do they have a uh, ride on mowers do they have like a one you can just sit and ride? i don't think and, so then and you can get like a cup holder and you can drink your beer mow the lawn <laughs> that's true that's a good point. I didn't. You, I didn't consider your wife, that. Like you don't need to mow the lawn every single day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I haven't thought of that. You can tell. You can tell her. Dude, you can tell her it's about your business. And you've got to maintain a certain look. That's true. That's a very good point. That we do <laughs> definitely need to maintain. We got to walk the walk when we talk the talk. We have to do that. So for sure. Yeah. And, That'd be a nice, nice little escape every now and then. Yeah.